With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. Today on the show, we're going to be doing buy lows for Dynasty Leagues. And of course, to do that, we have uh, my co-host, my partner in crime here at Fantasy Pros, Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF Fitzy. How was your weekend? How is the summer treating you? Oh, pretty good, Boggs. Uh, you know, excited to get back into football season, of course. Like, summer doesn't start until training camp's open, but, you know, like, sneaking in a little bit of uh, golf before things get hot and heavy with the, the fantasy coverage. Um, all good, man. Getting the golf in, enjoying the sun while it's out, of course, there in sunny Chicago. And to to do this show with us today, we have a guest, Nate uh, Paul, Paul Voigt. Uh, from IBT Media, In Between Media. Uh, you're a feature writer here at Fantasy Pros and Trophy Smack. Nate, thank you so much for joining us here and going over some buy lows with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Uh, never really thought I'd ever be on this show. So here I am with guys I've listened to forever. It's awesome. Hey, look, man, if I'm here, there's definitely room for you, right? <laughs> so that, that's what I say. So well, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. So, uh, I mean, how's the summer treating you? Like, what is... Do you like overreaction season in the summer and training camp right now before the preseason? Or do you think, do you hate it? Do, do more, do people get more out of it or do you think it clouds things more? I think it's a time filler. Cause we're all just bored and wishing that there was football. So we take things and we go worst case scenario or best case scenario with something. And it's fun to talk about but once training camp starts. I mean, it all kind of comes crashing back down. Yeah, I mean, that is the truth. So and, you know, we had uh, some injury stuff today uh, as well. Tim Patrick going down. We've had a couple guys tweak things here and there. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to know. You know, you get some positives, but you also get a lot of negatives in this time. So it, it's tough to know. But we're going to go over some buy lows coming up here uh before we get into the show i gotta remind you guys we have a giveaway right now for christian watson autographed jersey uh all you need to do is subscribe to our youtube channel youtube.com slash fantasy pros take a screenshot submit it to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest that's fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest you're entered in to win it do it as soon as possible because this contest ends at the end of august so you have some time now might as well get it out of the way Go and try to get yourself that jersey. Also, remember, fantasypros.com slash chat, where we have all of our Discord. It's free to enter, but premium uh, Fantasy Pros subscribers get a whole bunch of other perks, like dozens of extra channels, regularly scheduled AMAs, and interactive voice chats with our analysts. Uh, want to talk fantasy whenever you want or chat with Fantasy Pros analysts, just check out our Discord at fantasypros.com slash chat. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash chat. Now, we're going to be going over some buy lows. So, Nate, you're the guest. I'm going to let you start. Before you uh, name a player, though, I want to know, what are you looking for specifically? Is it, you know, because uh, buy lows can mean a lot of different things. It could be they're coming off a bad year and you're buying them low. They're at their lowest value you think they're going to have for a while. So you want to buy them low. A lot of rookies fall into that. A lot of aging guys are buy lows because people 
you know, the falling knife and all of that good stuff. They want to get out before the guy gets low. So is there a certain parameter that you like in buy lows or is it just, Hey, look, I'll take any kind of buy low. I'll take pretty much any kind. It doesn't really matter because if it's a move where I can spend less and get more for my team, that's always going to be a win, whether it's a rookie, a veteran. If you're talking about a guy like Tom Brady that you can get pretty cheaply in Dynasty right now, because we all know he's probably not playing in 2023. But if I'm in win now, boom. Yeah, I, I can win in 2022 with him and I spent not a ton. I mean, he, he also led the league in passing yards last right. year still. So, you know, uh, Tom Brady, uh, the goat of goats, it, whenever he goes out, even if it's at 50, he's probably going out on top, which is just insane. So, all right. So I will hand it off to you and uh, give us your first buy low for the dynasty offseason here. So this is a guy I was ag- aggressively targeting in rookie drafts last year, but I was getting him later in the beginning, like third, fourth round. He Value kind of started to move up. But right now, his ECR dynasty on fantasy pros is running back 36. Ramondre Stevenson is a guy who I really, truly believe, given the opportunity in New England, has a chance to finish as a wide receiver, running back one tier player, one of those top 12 guys. They've indicated in camp there's a good chance he's going to be the lead back, that he may have overtaken Damian Harris. If he can get some of that receiving work. I think there are a lot of things that have to go right, but that could very well go right. If you're getting him at a running back 36 price and he finishes in that RB1 tier, I mean, that's a steal, even if it's next season and you're getting him at that price. It doesn't necessarily have to be this season, though. I think it will be. I worry a little bit about Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Fitzy. And, you know, look, uh, just let's be transparent. I got Texas stuff hanging up behind me, and Ramondre Stevenson is a former Sooner. So not the best, you know, um, maybe I'm a little biased here, but what I remember from Ramondre Stevenson is, uh, first of all, like Nate said, unbelievably talented guy. Like you can see out of the running backs on this roster, he probably is the best running back there. I don't think there's much argument, but Damian Harris is unbelievably solid and he has two things going for him over Stevenson. It is the trust in the staff from last year, uh, not the extensive uh, injury history that I've seen Stevenson have. And I've seen Stevenson get in the doghouse at Oklahoma now and new England. So in terms of talent fits, I think Stevenson is the best RB here, but in terms of, you know, that translating and being trustable and all that stuff, I have a little worry. So I'm not quite in on the Stevenson bandwagon, but I know it's uh, a camp that has been improving with Nate as the leader here. So uh, what do you think about Stevenson and uh, him being a buy low Fitzy? All right. Well, the, the doghouse stuff bogs. I mean, at Oklahoma, that was all about pot. They really tried to bury him for a uh, pot, you know, and, and knowing... that's stupid. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, but it's also or... like it's one of those things where, you know, you should know better. It's a sure. rule, you know, sure. just do the rule. It shouldn't be that hard. You know, so I, I know our buddy Nate's out in Colorado, so he doesn't care about that. Sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but and then, and then last year, man, I mean, he got in the doghouse for coughing up a fumble on what uh, either his i think it was his it second was his nfl second touch yeah and then like healthy scratch the next three games but after that he came back and i think he averaged uh you know once they started activating him again 12 carries a game for the rest of the season considering that damian harris was there like that's a pretty good share of the workload and i know my guy joe dolan at fantasy points had the boston heralds Patriots beat writer Andrew Callahan on his uh, like beat writer tour podcast and Callahan predicted that Ramondre Stevenson was going to ascend to be the top guy in that backfield so and uh, Boggs you also mentioned the Oklahoma background man that's when I fell in love with Ramondre when I saw him trample I think it was Florida in the Cotton Bowl like when he was that the big like 200 yard three TD that game or something right. like that? It was that? definitely a bowl game. I remember that. So I mean, yeah. just this big bowling ball with like really nifty feet and like able to catch passes. I love the skill set. I'm totally with Nate, and I just like my only worry about like the buy low thing is that that buy low window is closing quickly. It seems like everyone is starting to become a Ramondre Stevenson fan and. I was getting him in like best balls in the off season real cheaply early. And now all of a sudden he's going like, you know, seventh round. It's uh, yeah, man, 
Buy low, buy low I mean, season is is coming to a close quickly. So I agree with Nate, but do it fast. His Very final fast. season at Oklahoma, by the way, uh, j- just to let you know, it was it was 18 carries for 186 yards and a score against Florida. That was 10.3 yards per carry against Florida, which is just ridiculous. That's an SEC school. And the other games that he played that year, I mean, he only played six games, but he had 18 for 97, 26 for 141, 11 for 104, 13 for 87. And he scored 13 touchdowns. Or no, that's his career, excuse me. But uh, that that final season he scored, what is that, three, five, six, seven touchdowns in six games. So the talent is there. I, I will not argue that at all. It's injury stuff, the fumble in the doghouse. There's little worries. Those, you know, Skills should win in the NFL, though. Like, we know that. I mean, that's why Deshaun Watson's still in the NFL, right? Skill wins uh, over, you know, bad attitude and stuff like that most of the time. All right, Fitzy, you are up, my friend. Who are you buying low on? All right, so uh, I don't know about you guys, but I like big, freakishly athletic, fast, wide receivers. So when you can get one of those guys at a discount, I'm definitely automatically interested. Uh, Chase Claypool is a a guy like that, and – I think people are just going to shy away from him or are shying away from him right now because the quarterback situation is so dicey. And uh, also because Claypool got buried a little bit with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger sort of only having eyes for Deontay Johnson. Um, We don't know how that's going to work out. Like we don't know if Deontay is going to be the target hog to the extent he was with big Ben. Now that it's going to be some combination or, or one of Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Kenny Pickett. So, um, you know, and Boggs, I'll, I'll be especially anxious to get your take on this as a Steelers fan, but Claypool went from nine touchdowns as a rookie to just two last year. So I, I think like nine is a lot closer to where he's going to be eventually as he starts getting closer to his prime. Man, give me this dude's size and athleticism. I, I feel like there's a breakout coming eventually. I mean, it felt like he broke out his rookie season. And then last year, he just went down the tubes. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger not wanting to get hit and it's time to throw. That doesn't really allow for Chase Claypool to get open deep, right? He wanted the quick hitters to Najee. He wanted the quick hitters to Deontay. And there wasn't a lot of throwing downfield from him. So you should see Chase Claypool involved more. My worry about Claypool, I have two things here. Number one, if Deontay gets extended, there's definitely no money for Claypool, so we don't know where he's going to end up in a couple of years when that rookie contract's up. And uh, George Pickens looks outstanding in camp. Yes. And we've talked about Pickens before. Pickens is another. You know what? He kind of reminds me of Ramondre Stevenson. He got in the doghouse. He had, uh, you know, it, most of his stuff was, in, you know, on the field, but he got in the doghouse. He had injury issues as well. But the talent is next level for Pickens. Like, I think if you talk about ceiling, I'd put him higher than anyone, including Deontay, uh, on the Steelers roster. But, you know, Claypool has it in him. Mapletron was his nickname because his relative athletic score was like a perfect 10, just like, you know, he had very similar numbers to Calvin Johnson, and Christian Watson came in and had that as well uh, this year in the Combine. So, I don't know. I'm lukewarm on Claypool. I I recognize the skill, but I think he's going to become very touchdown dependent. But like you said, with his size and his speed, he should be scoring more. Uh, touchdowns can be pretty, you know, fluky though. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on uh, Claypool moving forward here? So, I, when we got to the draft, I thought, okay, we'll see what they do in the draft. I, I like Claypool. I think, like you said, he's a big physical receiver, gets down the field well. I thought there was a lot of the fact that Ben was trying to get rid of the ball so quickly. He lost out on a lot of targets plus Deontay, but then they went and they not only took George Pickens, but they took Calvin Austin as well. Yeah. So that's two wide receivers in the first, I think four rounds of the draft. Obviously they believe in Deontay Johnson. So Claypool seems to be the guy where it's like, well, I mean, they also might not sign resign Deontay, you know, that's, that's true. That could be in the, realm of possibility as well because they're trying to work through that contract right now i just think this is a make or break season for him if he doesn't show something on this offense that's why they took pickens that's why they took calvin austin i'm afraid we're he's not going to get the opportunity again um i don't love that offensive line i think that's going to be an issue for trubisky or Pickett or whoever's in there. And we might start getting into some of the short dumps again, where you're seeing Najee harris deontay johnson and pat fryer with kind of take over targets in that offense 
Yeah, I mean, uh, left tackle is number one on the wish list for next year. For the How Pittsburgh about right Steelers. tackle, man? I mean, yeah, also right either. tackle. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Uh, when you're right, you're right, Fitzy, and you are absolutely. I'm kind of hoping they get involved in this Tevin Jenkins deal. Just put him on the roster and see what he can do. You know, uh, but uh, my, my first one that I'm going to mention here is Michael Carter, the running back from the New York Jets, currently a running back ECR for Dynasty 37. I don't think I mentioned the other two, by the way, uh, for Claypool, wide receiver 44, 36 at running back for Andre Stevenson. For me uh, and Michael Carter, and look, I think what mainly the buy low is, is the fact that Brees Hall comes in here. And look, I'm not going to argue that Michael Carter is better than Brees Hall because he's not. I would say he's behind Brees Hall and everything. But there are plenty of tandems of running backs that we have that work out. You know, we've had uh, Chubb and Hunt last year were 12th in points per game, 21st in points per game. Jones and Dylan were 13 and 36. Zeke and Pollard were 17th and 37th. So you can get a running back one and a running back two if you're, you know, Cleveland. Let's not expect them to be Cleveland in the running game, right? Let's have them closer to between the Packers and the Cowboys. So a running back two and a running back three can exist on this team. You know, maybe Brees Hall is just too good to take off the field. He turns into a Christian McCaffrey level. That's a possibility, but I just don't see that happening. Um, you look at the improvements that uh, this team has done, right? Uh, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Ruckert, Max Mitchell, through that's all just through the draft. They signed Uzama. They signed Conklin. They signed Lakin Tomlinson, the guard. Uh, Vera Tucker is going into his second season. Kai Becton comes in in shape. And, um, you know, the team already loves Michael Carter. Matt LaFleur said he already considers him a leader. If you have ever heard him speak at the podium, he puts the team first. He said, hey, look, when I came in, Tevin wanted to teach me. So when Brees came in and he asked me questions, I'm answering all of them. That is the culture that we've built. So he's already respected in the locker room. So he's not going to get nothing here. And this is also a huge factor. The Jets ran the fewest run plays in the league last season, 380. Let's go to the, the offenses that run this same type of system, right? We have Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers ran 499 times last year. The Packers ran 446 times out of the same type of offense last season. So, you know, you're not going to get down by 20, 30 in the fourth quarter with this type of offense anymore. You may still have to with this defense because they might give up 50 in the, uh, on the defensive side. But how do you curb that? You keep your defense off the field and you run the ball a little bit more. So I just think Michael Carter is being a little bit uh, underutilized and undersold here. Nate, what do you think of Michael Carter moving forward? So I was a little nervous when they drafted Brees Hall because I had Michael Carter pretty high on my list of running backs that I was just in love with coming into 2022. Brees Hall concerned me a little bit, but I also don't believe that Zach Wilson is going to be very good this year. I just don't think okay. he's, I just don't think he's going to hack it in the NFL. I have a okay. thing against BYU quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, since Steve young, what have we had really? Um, so you don't like Taysom Hill. Come on. Well, I, I like him as a tight end running back yeah. wide receiver, not as a quarterback to, to my point. So I think that the, a lot of what their offense is going to be is going to be focused on short routes with Uzuma and Ruckert. Michael Carter getting some of those short routes, probably Elijah Moore getting some slot work. Hopefully they can work Garrett Wilson in. I'm a little concerned that we may be a little too hyped on him as well, just because of Zach Wilson. But I think that benefits Michael Carter. And I think that like you're saying, he could finish as a running back three. There's, and there's nothing wrong sure. with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, Fitzy, what do you think? Because I'm, I'm on the other side. I do believe in Zach Wilson, but I understand that if he doesn't get it done this year, he is done, at least with the Jets. I mean, we've talked about this. First-round picks get, you know, they get revived over and over. Trubisky and Mariota are getting shots again this year. Uh, you know, it happens all the time. So he would go somewhere, probably Seattle, and, uh, you know, see if he had it, if he sucks with the Jets this year. But I kind of think he could. I think you get you fix that O-line is the big thing. He had time to throw at BYU. So I think if you do that for him, he'll be able to find success. But what do you think about Michael Carter? Yeah, that's the sneaky thing about the Jets. I think this offensive line could actually be really good, especially if Mekhi Becton can stay healthy. Like, yeah. you know, and Nate, and Nate does uh, offensive line work for us at Fantasy Pros. Like, he knows all about that. They've got talent on that old mm -hmm. line, yeah. especially inside. So 
Um, I'm kind of bullish on this Jets offense. Obviously, a lot depends on Wilson. Um, but yeah, man, it was just so weird for I was also going to be like really high on Carter and have him on a lot of teams. And then they draft Brees Hall, and that has to cause us to reassess. But maybe we've all knocked Carter down a little too far. Like he's really sliding in every redraft thing you do. And obviously his dynasty stock kind of went into the tank, but maybe it shouldn't. Uh, maybe as you say, Boggs, like this is going to be more of a committee thing than we realize. And then it's not going to be this case of, uh, you know, like Carter basically playing Alexander Madison to, uh, right, free Saul's Dalvin cook. Maybe it's much more of a Javante Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon thing. I mean, not, and that's the perfect role. That's yeah. a perfect role for him, right? Because that's what he had at UNC as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I hope I hope you're right about that. I got my fingers crossed on Michael Carter. Uh, Nate, who's your uh, your second player you're buying low on in the uh, preseason here? So my second one is uh, Tyler Algier, the rookie running back in Atlanta. I liked his talent, and if you really looked at what the team had before camp started. I mean, Corderell Patterson, and then they signed Damian Williams in free agency. Damian Williams has never really been a starter. He's 30 years old. He's lived his career on spot work. Corderell Patterson, let's be real about this. He's had one outstanding season, and it wasn't even a full season. It was like the first three quarters, and he wore out. He's 31. Algiers, the youngest guy on this team at running back, and he's probably, honestly, so far in camp, they've said he's the most talented. And with their quarterback situation, whether we're talking Mariota or we're talking Desmond Ritter takes over at some point, they're going to have to run the ball a significant amount. Uh, I think Algier, his senior season, he had 276 carries in 13 games at BYU. So we know he can handle a workload. And that was in 13 games. I just, I, I, there's something about this situation. Atlanta tells me that he's going to finish as an RB2 this season. And then he's going to have that at least RB2 upside for probably the next four or five seasons. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you you squint and you see it easily here. Because my opinion, I think that um, Patterson should go back to being a wide receiver, right? Because Fitz, you have mentioned this in a lot of shows. Anytime that Patterson is brought up, he wore down so much on those carries in the second half last year. Uh, you, you lose Calvin Ridley. You have a rookie number one and really nothing behind him. You train for Brian Edwards, uh, which is just not a good spot to be in. If you're Atlanta with a quarterback that, you know, uh, people are underestimating going from even an old Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota is a significant drop off, right? So the offense just looks like it's, it needs to go through the run game. And there's an opportunity for Algier to be a number one here. So uh, I think Algier and Pierce are similar. They're going in the similar range. I like Pierce a little bit just because I really don't like this scenario that we have in Atlanta. There's a little more experience in Pierce than there is Algier, obviously, you know, becoming a running back before he came in as a linebacker at BYU. But you can squint and see the upside here, Fitz. What do you think of Tyler Algier and buying him low right now? Yeah, Nate's got a fun love-hate thing going on with BYU. (laughs) Hates QBs, likes RBs. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good spot to be in. (laughs) Right. Um, But, yeah, you guys, like, that's kind of the the point with him that, like, I don't know how I feel about Algier. I'm kind of agnostic about him as a a prospect. I'm open to the possibility that he's uh, really good. I know, like, uh, my guy John Lobb really likes him, and John is all over the college game. Um, but I am not very enthusiastic about the other Atlanta running backs. So yes, there's opportunity. You mentioned it, Boggs. I mean, uh, Patterson just melted down the stretch last year. I think Cordero averaged like 2.4 yards a carry in his last four or five games. So, um, like if I had to handicap this, I mean, I would expect Algier to probably be the favorite to lead this team in like fantasy points at the running back position. But, uh, you know, I just don't know how I feel about him yet. And I know that, unfortunately, the touchdown upside is probably going to be pretty capped for the next year or two in Atlanta. But How can we'll all those see. not go to pits in London? Yep. You know, or Mariota running, you know. You would think, man. 
but Algiers a bruiser. He could get it done. Fitz, I want to get your guy here, but uh, I got to do a read real quick. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract tags, cap functionality, and much much more. I think it sounds complicated. It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for free, FRWE, in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use pro, uh, promo code Fantasy Pros to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at Reality Sports Online dot com fitzy who is your second by low that you got here i am not going to give up on rondell Moore after a disappointing <laughs> rookie year and uh even though i think it was here boggs where i dropped the stat uh maybe we were talking about wandale robinson where there's only been one receiver in the super bowl era under five nine to have a thousand yard season and that was uh richard johnson who i can't even remember even though that was only like 1989 or something for the lions don't remember him at all. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, man, I mean, what I saw from Rondell at, at Purdue was just too good. I mean, he was just so productive, broke out as an 18-year-old freshman there, had a huge target share at Purdue, um, sub 4-4 speed, 97th percentile burst score, 93rd percentile agility score, according to playerprofiler.com. And with Christian Kirk gone now, he's got this opportunity to be the slot guy. Um, like we've heard Cliff Kingsbury pretty consistently talking him up throughout the offseason, several occasions, like not just, you know, once at the start of camp, like month by month by month. He's been like talking about a bigger role for Rondale Moore. I know things will get sticky when DeAndre Hopkins eventually gets back from a suspension, but I see a nice opportunity for uh, Rondale to build some momentum early in the season here. And uh, man, I'd, I'd love to see him used as some sort of versatile threat, not just running these little routes close to the line of scrimmage so much like he did last year, just all these little flare things, like actually running some routes and getting downfield a little bit and worked into the running game. Um, he's that kind of weapon. So I'm, I'm still enthusiastic about him. The only short guy that, uh, Ron, that, that, uh, Fitz likes Nate is Rondo Moore. It is, uh, cause he loves saying that stat, that one right there of, uh, of the short guys. And as a short guy, I am offended by it, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> look, R Rondo Moore, um, we're waiting for the opportunity for him, right? Like Christian Kirk's gone. Hopkins is suspended. Um, you know, uh, it looks like Christian Kirk, uh, you know, it, it's a big hit to this offense, but they bring in Trey McBride, uh, you know, they brought in Marquise Brown. So there's these other little factors that had chip away at his value currently right now. Uh, he's going off at wide receiver 53 in ECR just behind Ridley Gallup Kirk, just ahead of Thielen, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd. Do you think that's an appropriate area for him, Nate? Do you like this buy low? Are you a Rondell Moore guy, or are you just kind of out on him? I'm kind of indifferent to Rondale Moore. I think that there's a chance that he could break out this season. But also, like you said, Marquise Brown, Trey McBride, they retained Zach Ertz. Hopkins is going to be back after week six. So we'll see. I think the talent's there, but then Kingsbury's, I don't know. I don't get how he runs that team sometimes. Neither does anybody it's, else. <laughs> right. So is it, I, that, and I, I don't have a lot of Arizona players outside of James Conner really rostered right now for that mm -hmm. reason, because I don't know what Kingsbury's doing. And I don't know that we necessarily know what direction he's going to decide to go week to week with this offense. I think, I think that's a fair argument. Um, you know, Rondell Moore, let me ask you this, uh, and I'll ask both of you guys this fits you first. Um, would you trade like a second rounder in a first year player draft to get Rondell Moore? Like that area where you're picking up maybe like a Tolbert, uh, somebody like that. Maybe you're stashing a Mechie, maybe you're stashing, you know, uh, or maybe even like a, you know, Calvin Ridley's one spot ahead of him. Which one of those guys uh would you rather have on your roster? Oh, I mean, uh, 
I think I'd rather Rondell than Mechie Foggs. You know, I'm not as big a okay, Mechie sure. guy as you are. Uh, a second round pick in 2023. That's interesting. And Superflex, I don't think I'd make that trade. I'd rather have the pick. In uh, one QB, I think I would probably make that trade and take Rondell over, you know, what's behind door number three in the mid second <laughs> round in 2023. What about what about this year? Would like if I offered you Rondell Moore, my Rondell Moore for your Jalen Tolbert? The Tolbert's wide receiver 62, so he is going at least maybe not going, but he's at least ranked. I didn't look at ADP, but he's at least ranked behind Rondell Moore. Really close, man. But I think I'd take Rondell like he was, okay. you know, far more productive in college. I think I'm a Tolbert guy on that one, but I understand that. Nate, where do you stand on that one? Uh, I'd take Tolbert. I like Tolbert. his opportunity okay. in Dallas. I think That's I fair. personally think Dak is long term a better quarterback than Kyler as well. So, okay, yeah, no, that these are all fair arguments. Uh, Rondo Moore could be a possession PPR guy, and I think I, you know, specifically if we're talking about league types, PPR is where I want to add Rondo Moore to just take the shot to see. But uh, you know, he could hold significant value because that is a high passing offense. My second player here is Brandon Ayuk. And I think we forget a lot about Ayuk because Debo had the big year last year. They're transitioning to Trey Lance. We, we're worried about Elijah Mitchell and Tyrion Davis-Price, Jeffrey Wilson, and how they're going to break this up. Is Kittle going to be back healthy? So nobody really is talking about Brandon Ayuk. Currently, right now, wide receiver 39 on uh, Fantasy Pro's ECR. And he came into last season with the hamstring injury after having a subpar camp. Where he and he really struggled to start, but the last eight weeks, the last half of the season, uh, through 2021, he averaged 13.7 PPR points per game, which would have been good enough to move him up to wide receiver 30, so a mid tier wide receiver three, somewhere in that area. And let's not forget, Ayuk was a wide receiver to his rookie season in 2020, wide receiver 19 overall, averaging 15.1 PPR points per game. And to me, the biggest thing here, Fitz, is that we see it kind of feels like Brandon Ayuk is finally figuring out how to do training camp right now with Trey Lance. Cause Trey Lance is trusting him that he's made highlight level, real catches every single day. And he seems like, you know, kind of that safety blanket that that first year quarterback is looking at. He throws it up to Ayuk when he's one-on-one -on -one and Ayuk is making the plays for him now, which is going to translate into the preseason and hopefully the regular season as well. So I think we just might be a touch low on Ayuk here. Do you buy him as a buy low or would you kind of leave him on the market? No, I like this call, man. Uh, we got excited about Ayuk's uh, rookie year and then inexplicably in the doghouse. And I think that really took people back. Like, um, two really kind of unexpected plot lines from San Francisco early last year were one Elijah Mitchell being this immensely valuable guy right off the bat. Cause they took the sermon. Speaking yes. of Oklahoma running backs in the doghouse right there. No kidding, man. And then the, <laughs> the complete disappearance of Ayuk, who after this uh, great rookie year, just didn't build on the momentum. And we later found out it was like a legitimate practice uh, intensity complaints that Kyle Shanahan had with him. Apparently he learned from it, worked his way out of the doghouse. And as you pointed out, had a pretty strong finish. So I think like that's kind of the real Ayuk, the guy we saw in his rookie year, the guy we saw in the second half of, of 2021. So yes, I, I agree. This is a good buy low opportunity. And I do think a lot of people, he is a buy low because people are worried about the uh, whole mouse to feed thing with uh, Debo and Kittle. Yeah. I mean, and that is why I think he is ranked so low, Nate and uh, curious to hear what you have to say about Brandon. I here, you know, it's fair. It's a fair argument. Last year, he was losing uh, snaps to Juwan Jennings because Juwan Jennings was practicing harder. And I think the hamstring injury made him mope a little bit and all that stuff. But he really ticked it up in the second half. Looks good in camp so far. What do you think? So I I got burned on this last year, first half of the season. I was really high on Iuke. Then all the stuff went down. It's like, okay, I'm never letting this happen to me again. <laughs> but here we are. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of like Brandon Iuke in camp right now. I think that there's a legitimate role for him. And if he doesn't find himself in the doghouse, getting him at the wide receiver 39 valuation, that is kind of a steal for what he's capable of. Yeah. And I call that because I've done it a million times, Nate. It's the overcorrection. You're like, you know what? I won't get burned by this guy again. Somebody else will, but it ain't going to be me. And then you see the guy 20, 30 spots lower than he's going in ADP. And you're like, 
can I do this again to myself? You know, can I do, can mm. I put myself through this again? Am I ready to get hurt again by Brandon? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I do that as well. Uh, Nate, who is your uh, third guy here? So this one is an interesting one. Cause I wrote this this morning before any news had come out from camp at all. I've got KJ Hamler. He's right. Wide receiver. Ooh. 85 is his current ECR. I'm a little lower on Jerry Judy than I think everybody else in the world is mostly because he mainly plays slot Hackett has never really used a slot receiver. Russell Wilson has never really utilized a slot receiver. So I, but Hamler also plays slot, but the difference is Hamler also gets down the field really, really well and is a superb deep threat with really good hands and his acceleration is just insane almost like Tyreek Hill speed. And I'm not comparing him to Tyreek Hill, obviously, but he's also that, coming off knee surgery here. Right. Right. So. right. And ACL. So he, he, it's going to take him a minute, but Jerry Judy has showed durability concerns. So should Jerry Judy get hurt? And now with Tim Patrick going down, Hamler could step into that second outside receiver role very easily. You could be looking at a guy who finishes wide receiver 24 to 32, somewhere in that range depending on what happens. I mean, he's going so late and it is kind of a dart throw, but okay. Last season he averaged 14.8 yards per catch. Yeah. And that feeds uh, to what Russell Wilson does. He had 81 throws of 20 plus yards last season and look at, they were, they were not a good team. I was actually kind of excited to see, you know, cause the one thing drew lock does well is heave it. You know, I was kind of excited to see, Locke and Hamler uh, together last year, and obviously Hamler got hurt. But, you know, the nice thing here, and I mean, obviously he's going to be ascending after this Tim Patrick injury happened today, Fitz, but uh, Hamler is basically free right now. And, um, you know, you can get him for a late, late pick. You can get him for maybe a defense or a kicker even. Uh, you know, that that's the type of level. It's a late pick. It's a defense or kicker or someone on your bench. You just do not need a fifth quarterback, something, you know, so I, I like the potential for Hamler uh, to break out specifically with Tim Patrick down now. So what do you think about Hamler moving forward? Yeah, that's it. I mean, talk about a guy who uh, was very readily available in dynasty leagues uh, for a guy who was really, really good in college. And yeah. uh, Nate, Nate mentioned the speed. I mean, this guy could just fly, you know, I'm up here in big 10 country. I watched a lot of Penn state and uh man, does Hamler have some incredible wheels. So, and it'll be in, like, I don't know how that's going to work out. Like who's going to play the slot and who's going to play outside with Judy and Hamler. We were talking about that. Uh, Andrew Erickson and Derek Brown and I, and like, I feel like they kind of think it's going to be Judy outside now. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? It's going to be right. interesting. We do know that when they p- go three wide, uh, Hamler's going to be out there. He's in line for a lot more snaps than he would have been otherwise. So um, he becomes very interesting, and, and maybe that's another buy low window that could close pretty quickly. Like especially if we see Hamler like turn on the Jets in a preseason game or something. Like is he is he ready to go in the preseason? Like if he he's been cleared. Yeah, if he plays and, and you know, make some sort of uh big play, some sort of 70 yard catch or like some little slant that he turns into a catch and run for a long touchdown like that price is just going to skyrocket quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of possibility there for Hamler. So I like that call, Nate. Uh, Fitz up for your uh, buy low number three who we got. Yeah, so I'm going to go with David Njoku, and um, I think he's just barely in the top 20 at uh, tight end in our ECR for Dynasty. 19 right now. 19, yeah. So we know how athletic it is, and and we have not seen the full breakout of this guy who was just such a tremendous prospect with his just raw measurables and uh, how well he tested. Hasn't quite put it all together, but the Browns have committed to him with that four-year contract. Um, and here's what I kind of like. So we only got the, the six game suspension for Deshaun Watson. We know he's going to be playing with Watson most of the season and, you know, for the foreseeable future and Watson's tight ends in Houston were just this collection of the dregs of the, they never had one, but he would throw it to whoever was out there. Yeah. So listen to this in 2018, it was Ryan Griffin, Jordan Thomas, and Jordan Aikens. Those guys combined for 61 catches, 745 yards, four touchdowns. 
2019, it was Akins and Daniel Fells. Those two combined for 70 catches, 759 yards, and nine touchdowns. And then 2020, Akins, Fells, and Farrell Brown, 72 catches, 878 yards, and seven touchdowns. Deshaun Watson has been, like, squeezing orange juice out of a bag of rocks <laughs> with these tight ends. So what could he do with, like, actually good tight ends? And he has two pretty good ones now in Njoku and, and Harrison Bryant. So uh, Njoku's the number one guy here, and they don't have a lot of firepower receiver after Amari Cooper. So I'm pretty high on Njoku. Yeah, it, it, the the only argument that I've heard against Njoku here is that um, – when you get when you run two tight end sets like the Browns do a bunch because they had that big running game that we talked about with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, is that they put two tight ends out there. Usually you have one blocking and send one out on a route. Now, Harrison Bryant can run routes and he can catch, but he cannot block. So Njoku is always getting to call uh, to block in those two tight end sets, which really limits him. But now that he's going to have a competent quarterback that can throw to a tight end, you know, even when uh, Baker Mayfield was great with Mark Andrews at Oklahoma, Mark Andrews was split out a, a, as a slot wide receiver, not really a tight end. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you, you bring in a guy here that can get the ball to the tight end. It's going to improve in Joku a lot. So I do think he, he is a nice buy low option right now. So I'm going to agree with you on this one, Fitzy. Nate, what do you think about David and Joku moving forward? I love this, and I've been talking about him all offseason, that he's a guy that you're going to want to go get. <clears throat> they gave him the new contract. He's physical. He's got great hands. We've seen him in waves get a fair amount of targets and do well with them. He could be a really solid red zone threat for this offense. I like that call a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it, that's a, a solid one, Fitzy. Uh, my third guy here, I've got DJ Chark going off at wide receiver 64. Um, and look, I, I know people probably are turning their nose up right now at DJ Chark, but this is it's by low, right? And you don't get much lower than where Chark is right now at wide receiver 64. Another guy that is pretty much free. He's on a one-year prove-it deal with the Lions, so he needs to be good to make himself some actual money. The thing that benefits Shark is that Jamison Williams does not have a timetable yet. You know, he said earlier in, you know, like when he got drafted, I want to be ready for week one. That just does not look realistic. Dan Campbell has even mentioned how that is probably not realistic at all. He's probably going to have to start the year on the pup, which is, of course, four games now, not six games like it used to be, but still looks a little dicey. They have no reason to rush him back. They spent a high pick on him. No reason to throw them out there, and they're not in their Super Bowl window until they get rid of Jared Goff and improve that defense a lot. And when you look at Shark, Shark averaged 11 and a half points per game in the three games he actually played. He's listed at four, and his average was around eight, but he played like two snaps and got hurt in that last game. He had no catches. So uh, I consider three games 11 and a half, um, and he scored two touchdowns, which made him, by the way, in those three games, you guys are going to laugh at this, he was second with two with two receiving touchdowns on the Jaguars. Uh, Marvin Jones had four. DJ Chark had two in three games. Everybody else had one on that team. So just patheticsville in Jacksonville. And he scored two touchdowns in three games. Who knows? Maybe Urban Meyer would still have a job if DJ Chark uh, had lasted the whole year. I, I don't think he makes that big. We, we can guess, right? Uh, but Chark has had a wide receiver two season recently within the last three years in, in 2019, he finished as wide receiver 20, 15.05 points per game in uh, PPR. And just, he's still only 25 going into the season. He'll turn 26 early in the season. Uh, but um, just look at this list of quarterbacks. He's had, he had rookie Lawrence for three games in his first three games. He had a, uh, you know, combo of Minshew and Glennon, Minshew and Foles and Bortles and Kessler. Jared Goff is going to be a massive upgrade to what uh, DJ Chark has seen at the quarterback position, which feels like a crazy person is saying this and I need to be institutionalized or something. But it's true. They've had terrible QBs in Detroit. So, Fitz, what do you think about the potential of DJ Chark? Did my uh, used car salesman pitch uh, sell you at all there? 
Oh, I loved it. I'm totally willing to buy into the fact that Urban Meyer was a super nice guy and had the locker room eating out of his hand until DJ Chark. I ignore got hurt. that part. What about the rest of it? Was the rest of it okay? <laughs> Chark's injury just changed his whole demeanor. It was amazing. Um, I've, no, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, like when he got into the league, I'm like, wow, this guy is really good. And now, just because of this, situ- he played LSU too. Sorry, right? Coming off coming off the injury. Um, now, you know, maybe people are seeing, perceiving that he's in a target pinch with Swift, Hawkinson, Amon Ra, Jamison Williams, but he is the only big receiver around. I mean, Jamison's a smaller receiver. Amon Ra's not that big. Um, you know, Chark is, is the one like king sized receiver they have. And like, I don't think golf is that bad, but it also might not be golf next year. Who knows? It could be, uh, you know, someone, uh, what are Stroud, Bryce Young. Um, so yeah, I kind of like just buying into the talents, maybe knowing that you're not going to get like instant production. Uh, Shark's not going to be a guy you're automatically going to put in your line this year, but probably a guy who's going to be more valuable next year than he is right now. So I do like the, the buy low thing in dynasty, you know, especially if you're maybe rebuilding a little bit, not a bad guy to aim for. Like you said, only 25, Good buy low target for sure. Nate, what do you think of DJ Chark? Uh, do you think he would have saved Urban Meyer's career and revived him? Or, oh, or, definitely. Or you, yeah. <laughs> they had breakfast together every morning. It just broke Urban's heart, guys. Yeah, that's of what course, happened. Of course. You know, DJ Chark's interesting to me because I've never been super high on him. But as you mentioned, he's had terrible quarterbacks, except for Gardner Minshew. I still like Gardner Minshew. How can you not like the dude with the bandana and the mullet? Because he's not good. I mean, come on. That's, like, that's he's fair. a great personality. Like, look, I'm number one Gardner Minshew fan if he goes to the WWE, right? But uh, <laughs> in the NFL, uh, I don't know. So I think this is good. I was, I'm interested to see what happens. And at wide receiver 64, I'm willing to buy low on him because the upside's there. And the weirdest thing, when I read when you said Jared Goff will be a massive upgrade, sentence I never thought I'd see talking <laughs> fantasy football, but here we are, and it's not, you're not wrong. DJ Chart could have, if he can stay on the field, could have a career season, and we're talking 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, 100 catches. It wouldn't be crazy. I think everybody's too high on Amon Ra. He's a great player situationally, but he's not a receiver who's taking over an offense. He's a solid number two. I think he's going to be yeah. perfect next to Jameson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, and he had big times, big stretches last season for sure. So he can improve. Uh, but I mean, I think you know, sixty four is almost free in most leagues. That's yeah. free, even in dynasty leagues. So that's that was my thought process yep. with Shark. So Nate, who is the the last buy low that you have for us today? So this one's interesting, and I've seen some people talk about him. Not many. I'm probably higher on him than most, but I like uh, the rookie tight end in New York, Daniel Bellinger. Um, I actually, I did a profile on him for fantasy pros this off season. And something that struck me that I kept reading about him was his footwork and his blocking is exceptional, which will keep him on the field. They loved going to Evan Ingram for some, who knows why they kept throwing to Evan Ingram last season. I did, but now Daniel Bellinger can take over that role. It's not going to be Ricky seals Jones. They drafted this kid for a reason. They got him late. He's tight end 43. He's probably not rostered in your league unless you're in the league with me. Right. They're paying you to get him on the roster. Exactly. He's six foot five. He's going to be a big red zone target for Daniel Jones. What they tried to get Evan Ingram to be, but he couldn't catch the ball. And I want to go back to the blocking. He's efficient as a run blocker and a pass blocker. He could be on the field almost every down in this offense. Uh, I absolutely love this call, Nate. Uh, you know, watching Daniel Bellinger's film coming in, you're like, man, why didn't they throw him the ball more? Like he can catch, but they had terrible QBs at San Diego State. They're a run first, play hard nosed defense, and get some RBs. That's Rashad Penny, Donald Pumphrey, all these you know San Diego State backs that have come into the NFL and uh, made an impact. Uh, there's a list of them, but. Uh, Bellinger completely underutilized and he goes to New York where Evan Ingram's gone. R- Ricky Seals Jones is a receiving tight end. He's not a blocking tight end. Uh, and th- there's nothing else really on this roster that is exciting at this position. He could be 
the guy that leads the Giants in snaps at that position. It would not be shocking. Little worry that he started the preseason uh, or the training camp on the pup, but they've already taken him off of that fits. So I like this call from Nate about Daniel Bellinger. We mentioned him a couple times on the show here. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bellinger? I like the call too. And maybe he did get drafted in some rookie drafts in tight end premium leagues, but I know in my home league, uh, there was a waiver run the other day and someone picked up Bellinger and I was kind of thinking like, Oh wait, he didn't get drafted. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. that's right. He didn't. So, uh, <laughs> someone, someone else is thinking the same thing Nate is thinking here. And yeah, like there's been some pretty good buzz about him, uh, minimal competition at tight end and uh reason to be optimistic that, we're going to see improved things out of the Giants offense under Brian Dable. So I like this call. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, too. Fitzy, who's uh, the last player that you have as a buy low here? All right. Naheem Hines, um, a guy who I've gotten sort of increasingly interested in. I think there's little question that he's going to um, get more work with Matt Ryan at quarterback than he got with Carson Wentz, who really didn't throw to his backs very often. Um, I see something maybe along the lines of uh, what Hines did in his season with Phillip Rivers in 2020, which was like 862 yards from scrimmage, seven touchdowns. Look, this guy's not going to be a league winner. He doesn't have feature back upside. He's just not going to be that guy. If Jonathan Taylor went down, they're not going to like start Hines and, and play him on 70% of the snaps. He's just not that guy, but he's a useful player in PPR leagues for sure. Like he is a, uh, I like to refer to him as a, a spackle back. Like you have injury problems. You have a guy bust on you at running back. Like Hines is a guy who can, can stick in there and just tread water with him at one of the running back spots and, and let other guys in your lineup win. So not a league winner, but still only 25 years old. And I think he, uh, you know, can be pretty useful in just that sort of limited role. So I'm not saying he's going to turn into some superstar for you, but uh, very useful and just completely overlooked in a lot of leagues. Yeah. And interesting right now, like you mentioned, I think he's actually moved up one spot since I looked at this last night to in dynasty leagues, uh, PPR also uh, ECR 52 among RBs. The guys just ahead of him are Gainwell, Patterson, Zamir White, Gus Edwards, McKissick and Sony Michelle. I don't think it is a question that he is more talented than everybody that I just mentioned there. My big concern with Naheem Hines, I've said it uh, you know, on many different shows that I've done, is that it's just so hard to get Taylor off the field. And sure, you can stick Hines at, at the slot. He can do that. I don't know if that's something you would ask him to do on a regular basis or if that would be around a certain type of game plan against a certain type of coverage and defense. But um, my worry about Hines is that just JT is the best around. I, I would love, like, if Naheem Hines was in Houston, I would be super high on him. Atlanta, you know, Kansas City, just any of these places where you could see you drop in Naheem Hines and he's the best back uh, and you let him go do all of it because uh, he was great in college. But um, I just uh, I this one I can't buy into because I just don't know how often he's going to be on the field. Look, but Frank Reich he even said. You know, yes. buy in on this guy. If you're I would, a he said person. I would want him on my fantasy or if I was. Yeah, right. Fantasy, so, I would want him Hines on my team. I just heard too much lip service from coaches before, particularly right uh, to, to be excited about Naheem Hines. So, Nate, you, you're the uh, you're the deciding vote here on Naheem Hines. Are you uh, in or out on this by low? This is another one where I'm kind of indifferent. I mean, at cost, I don't hate it at all. I'm just, I'm with you, Scott, where I'm concerned how much he's really going to get involved because it's Jonathan Taylor. And don't forget, they signed Philip Lindsay. So there's that, too. I mean, I, I'm I mean, a Philip Lindsay guy. Look, you got to stick up for your guy. You got the Colorado Buffs pennant in the background. I understand it. Lindsay and I is non-factor. He's the small back who doesn't catch in. passes well, though. Right. Yeah, but at least he fumbles all the time because his wrist yeah. is permanently hurt. So, <laughs> right. You know, there, there you go. But uh, uh, look, Naeem Hines has the talent. I don't think anybody would doubt that. So, uh, but, but I think I'm where Nate is simply for the fact that JT is in front of yeah. me. I want to be high, but I'm lukewarm because of the scenario. I looked at his contract because I was like, you know, maybe if he's done after this year, uh, then let's go ahead. 
He's not a free agent until 2025. So he's stuck behind JT for what looks like the best years of mm-hmm. JT's career, which is also tough. Not saying he, he can get traded. He could get released. He could go to a different scenario. That's all possibilities. But I, I'm just not into that one as much as other people are. Although, you know, anything happens to JT, I'm going to look like a silly goose. I know that. I mean, they're going <laughs> to, Naeem is going to go buck wild uh, there. So I, I would, um, you know, I'd like to see him just in a longer opportunity. I just think it's like, you know, anybody sitting behind CMC, anybody sitting behind Dalvin Cook, you just become irrelevant. It doesn't mean you are irrelevant. It means that you're not sniffing, you're not holding a candle to one of the best backs in the league. That's my issue with Naheem Hines. And, um, you know, if I didn't set you up to to, uh, just crush me for my last one here, Fitzy, uh, I know a lot of people are going to just hard eye roll here. But let's just think about it. This is this. My last guy is a little conditional, too. You have to be situational. You have to be in the right spot to acquire him. But it's Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 52. Now, um, I don't know, you know, when the best time to buy Ridley is. But if you're a team and you know, I'm probably out of it this year, I'm not going to be playing for a championship. That is a scenario where I want to go get Calvin Ridley. Cause let's, you know, he had the stuff you can agree or disagree with his suspension, but he's gone for a year. Also a little questionable because he just went away from the team last year, which is why he thought he could bet on football uh, because he wasn't with the team. So guy has made some weird decisions. So we don't know if when the suspension is up, if he's going to go back, he expressed, you know, concern about playing with the Falcons too. So there's a lot of factors going around him. But let's just look at him as a talent, right? He has never finished lower than 13 points per game in his seasons. His uh, wide receiver points per game finishes are 25th, 4th, 19th, and 28th. So he is finishing as a high-end wide receiver three at least every single season of his career and went to number four uh, two seasons ago in 2019. The Falcons will most likely have a high pick to get a franchise-level QB or they will be convinced that either Mariota or Ritter are the future here. And if that's the case, that guy had a great season, right? Uh, Otherwise, I mean, if I had to bet my hard-earned cash right now, it would probably be that the Falcons have the number one pick in the draft. Seattle could, could, you know, say, hold my beer, uh, I think as well. But Atlanta is a pretty trash roster at this point. Um, You know, let's just say he's not with the Falcons. Let's get him somewhere else. Where does he go that's not better than Atlanta? Uh, There's not many spots he could go that aren't an improvement on this situation as well. Um, He's not young, but he'll be 28 at the end of the season after missing a, uh, you know, there's, this is a double-edged sword. You miss a year and a half. You're definitely going to have Russ coming back, but you also don't put that wear and tear on your body. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword in terms of his age and stuff when he's coming back. And he's a lottery ticket, and he's going to be the absolute cheapest he could possibly be right now unless he just says, I'm done with the NFL, I'm tired of being yanked around, and he retires, which, look, you know, you can squint and see it. Like, you can see positivity in a lot of these guys we've talked today. You can squint and see the bad side, too, on a lot of them here. So it's a possibility, but I just, if you're out of it, there's much, he's cheap. He's not going to cost you much at all. Uh, you may get him cheaper if you wait into the season and you trade a piece that you know you're not going to keep or isn't a long-term option for you for someone for a playoff run or something. So it is situational, but he is a buy low. So Fitz, what do you think about uh, buying Calvin Ridley low? Are, are you interested or are you turning your nose up at it? No, I mean, if you're a rebuilding team or if uh, maybe you think you're a contender and then you open one and five and you've got Calvin Ridley sitting on your <laughs> roster. Um, yeah, so like he w- would be a good target for you if you are in a rebuild because uh, whoever has him might be able to might be willing to take a useful older piece. Like maybe if if Marvin Jones turns out to be yeah. the Jaguars top receiver and is having a predictive year. Well, obviously like Marvin Jones is in the, the twilight of his career for sure. And maybe you could mm-hmm. flip Marvin Jones for Ridley. If, if Jones is doing well or, uh, you know, some other older Chark? player, if Chark is playing well, flip him for Ridley. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh if Chark's playing well, then I'd rather have Chark. You, you think you'd only, rather have Chark? I mean, that's the, fair. The yeah, concern bugs, like, I don't know if like Ridley is serious about football. 
That I, I mean, mean, look, that's like, a huge we got a question. Too. That, that's part man. of it. I mean, like, like the mental health thing. I mean, that's totally fine, man. I can understand that. Of course, um, yeah. But but then, like, you know, like the gambling thing, and and you don't know that that's like possibly going to become an issue. Like that's just terrible judgments. Kind of makes me question your dedication, your craft, and your seriousness about your, you know, what should be your vocation. So uh, I do have some concerns about that, but it is possible he comes back and he's just the the same Calvin Ridley we saw before. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, there's a lot surrounding this, Nate, but what do you think about potentially buying low on Calvin Ridley this season? If I have a deeper roster, I've got a couple leagues where I have like 20, 25 bench spots because I know some people who love to be crazy commissioners with things. IDP leagues, maybe IDP leagues, not all of them, couple IDP like that, but I have some standard super flex ones like that as well. Um, if I've got a deeper roster, I'm fine with it, but kind of to what Pat said, we don't know how serious the guy is about football, the mental That's health fair. thing, like take time off, get your head right, but don't go gamble. On yeah, the I mean, you play like, it's kind of like the Josh Gordon thing. Like you may or may not think it's serious, but the league thinks it's serious enough, serious enough to suspend him multiple times and he keeps doing it. I don't, I am more in the camp. I don't think we see Calvin Ridley on an NFL field again. Oh, okay. So, all right. So you're all the way out. You're not buying him because you think he's done. And look, <laughs> it's a fair thought process, man. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to convince people one way or the other. We're also not the moral police on the suspension right, right. and all that stuff. You know, we're just dealing in the facts. He is suspended for a year. He did have issues last year. You do have to question his intensity and his want to in terms of football, because, you know, if you don't want to, you won't. Uh, It's not everyone is as talented as you for the most part when you get to the NFL. So uh, if you're not passionate about it, you're not working towards it. You are not going to last long. So that is a more than fair argument here. My thought process is like the guy's super talented. Um, and he still is available. And if your team's bad, somebody doesn't want to carry him in a roster spot. You know, it's very rare where you have a guy that's suspended that can go into the IR and NA or whatever minor league system you may have for uh, your league. But um, some leagues do have that. So it's just a thought if you're tanking, you know, maybe add Calvin Ridley uh, as a flyer. So we'll see. But that's it. That is buy lows for us on the Dynasty Fantasy Pros podcast you can follow fits at fits underscore ff fitzy what do you got coming up here this week oh man we have everything coming up Boggs. i mean august is such an insane month for content at fantasy pros i mean pretty much no matter what you're into like you know debbie dynasty redraft salary cap leagues like there's something for everyone of course a lot of player analysis uh we're just rolling out tons of content it's our busiest month of the season of the year by far for articles so uh check fantasy pros we'll have new stuff up every day and nate at nate polvot p-o-l-v-o-g-t on the twitter nate what do you got coming up this week and for uh the you know the rest of the time leading up to the season here you know this is actually an oddly quiet week this is kind of the end of what i am required calm to do before this week. the storm calm before the before the storm i've got uh, i'll have my offensive line Rankings updated here ahead of the season here in a couple weeks. Um, Firing up the in-between fantasy football podcast again, getting ready to do that every week. So lots coming. How, how low are the Steelers on those offensive line rankings there, Nate? Are they pretty low? <laughs> I think I had them at 26. All right. It doesn't oh, start with a three. So, very very right. generous, Nate. Very generous. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Shut Peace. up, Pat. You don't know. Uh, <laughs> Nate's doing the analysis here on the offensive line, okay? So <laughs> uh, that that is – I'm looking forward to that because that's a big part of it. It's an underrated part uh, of fantasy, too, is you got to know uh, who these guys are running behind because, you know, Sometimes you, Najee Harris run behind nobody last year that most of his production came out of short passes and stuff like that, or third and long and they run it up the gut stuff like that. So you got to know, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that article for sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Bogman sports. Uh, obviously I have, uh, this show running through the end of the, uh, training camp here in the preseason with Fitzy and, uh, Joe and I will be starting, our uh, IDP show uh, at the end of this month, as well as our uh, Thor and I, our college football betting show for betting pros. And you can catch all my stuff over in this league. Of course, we're doing uh, Mondays. We're doing best balls Mondays. I also do my discord for um, fantasy pros, my, my stages. So you guys can check that out. It was hopping 
last night. I, I did it in it. We're getting busier. Like you said, Fitz, the season is upon us. So uh, I'm getting a lot of good questions here, which kind of sparked my Calvin Ridley uh, thought on this show as well. So please join me for that. Uh, listen to all my ITL stuff. See if you winning edge uh, ITL CFF uh, I, individual defensive podcast with Gary Davenport. You can find me. Just go look at my Twitter. Uh, I'm doing all kinds of shows. If you like my voice, you can hear me there for sure, but that is it for us. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fantasy pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.